Hello, welcome to the Cowboy Show, hosted by Ben Carey and Nick Granarad, combining expert human opinions with cutting-edge simulation models to help you arrive at the best picks each week. Inside Edge Community, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to today's stream. It is Tuesday, which means we've got a full slate of baseball. Uh, hope everyone had a wonderful July 4th yesterday. Uh, would have been a would have been a good day to stream. I mean, a July 4th feels like a very uh, a very baseball holiday. Do you feel the same, Kyle? Yeah, I do. Uh, baseball through the day, it's nice. Uh, I kind of miss the days where you have day baseball going on. Uh, you have to wait till six o'clock or something. It's nice to have some day baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so I uh, I think that that's one of the benefits actually of living further west in the country, is is the day baseball comes a little bit earlier, and even the night baseball. It's like it's five o'clock instead of seven o'clock, which I which I actually really enjoy. I'm I'm biased because I live here now, but I do think that the uh, Mountain Time Zone, top sports time zone, that there is. Uh, that's always always an interesting debate to happen. People get very passionate about that time zone. You know, I, I always get messed up when I travel around, you know, especially when I go to the West Coast because I'm an East time zone guy and I, I'm a night owl. So I guess it works okay for me because mm-hmm. I stay up late anyways. But I, I know it kind of messes with me when I'm on the West Coast and the games are starting at 9 a.m., say, college football Saturdays. I don't know about that 9 a.m. start time. That might not be the best. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the one thing. And I'm, I'm not the biggest college football guy, so the so the 9 a.m., 10 a.m. starts aren't a huge deal for me. But I, I love 11 o'clock NFL. I think that's the best. Yeah. That's the best. Uh, I, so, I can't argue with that. Yeah. So, Kyle, uh, welcome to the stream. Uh, so you've been on some stuff that we've done before. I I know I think you and Ben have done some college football stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And and I think yeah. that we had you on for for something NFL related, maybe like a long time ago, like I, uh, probably a year and a half ago. Uh, but it's it's been a while. First time on the MLB streams. So tell the people uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I've been in the industry since 2009. I, I, it seems like just a few years ago that I was the young gun. You know, I was jumping onto the scene, doing really well, and everybody's like, oh, here's this young guy uh, doing a great job starting it off. I was at least somewhat fortunate that in the first year or two that, that I started professionally handicapping, I had some tremendous seasons. Uh, you know, college basketball is a really big specialty of mine, especially totals. Uh, college football, the same. I know Ben and I have talked a lot about both of those sports even, you know, off streams about uh, our thoughts on games and stuff. But baseball has been my best professional sport, to be honest. So happy to be on here talking baseball. Um, You know, I'm I'm just one of those guys that just works hard and tries to let the record talk for itself. I'm I'm not one of those guys that's a used car salesman. It's my least favorite thing about this business is it's just so many of these guys that are screaming how amazing they are. Uh, I just hate that. You know, I just I just want to work hard and put my head down and handicap these games. So I know you and Ben aren't like that anyways either. So I, I feel at ease here that I can just uh, pick down the games and we can get some different uh, perspectives of how these games might look. Yeah, I and I, I totally agree with you. So, I mean, obviously it's, it's important to find a little bit of a balance. I mean, you have to both be, you have to have a good record, right? That's mm-hmm. 
ultimately the most important thing. If you're if you're consistently making money or you're consistently not making money, that just entirely speaks for itself. Uh, my favorite thing actually is there's a couple people I think who are actually literally used car salesmen, who who boast in in that used car salesman uh, style on Twitter. That's yeah. that's my favorite. That's like that's extra ironic. Um, but yeah. Very, very happy to have you on the stream. Very excited to see what you think about these games. I, uh, I know I picked out the games last night. I was looking at them this morning, and I was like, "Gosh, these are uh, these are some tough games. A lot of, a yeah. lot of the marquee teams, a lot of, lot of bigger favorites today, uh, and, and a lot of the time that can make them, uh, that can make them tough. So it's a tough slate for you. But excited to hear what you have to say, and excited to kind of pick your brain." Uh, a little bit as we move through this again like you were saying uh you've been been doing this for since 2009 you said so more than a decade like 13 years uh got a lot of experience and i think that myself and everybody else uh can learn a lot today not just about the games that we're talking about just but just about some uh some more general handicapping stuff so very excited for that uh so hope everyone in the chat doing well ready for uh some discussion and how the stream works for anybody who is new. Uh, we've got five categories of games that you can see on the left-hand side of the screen. Uh, for each of the first four categories, we've picked out a game that fits into that category. It's four games that are interesting for four different reasons, uh, not necessarily our favorite bets of the day, uh, just four of the more interesting games on the slate, uh, four games that today especially allowed me to uh, ask Kyle some questions uh, related to handicapping on things related to the category ideas. Uh, so for each of these games, uh, I have a lean in that game, my favorite bet. Uh, Kyle has his lean in the game as well. And you guys, as the chat, will be able to vote on a poll um, to, to figure out your favorite bets uh, in these games. My bet, Kyle's bet, and the chat poll result are all going to be tracked over on a bet stamp account. Uh, we've got close to 500 leans from the stream. Uh, tracked over on the account, uh, dating all the way back to May 4th. Uh, you can see each and every one of those tagged by category, tagged by who said it, uh, tagged by whether it won or lost uh, over on the Capwise Stream bet stamp account. And despite uh, fading ourselves so many times, eating all the juice, picking all these random games, uh, the stream has been quite profitable, which is, uh, I think, I think remarkable. I'm, I'm honestly a little bit surprised that with close to 500 picks on a bunch of random games, including just polling the chat as, as a third of the picks that, uh, that the stream has been up, uh, I think, about eight units over the course of the season. Awesome. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's actually really, really cool. Uh, so the final category of the day is the walk-off. Uh, this is our actual favorite bets of the day. I have mine picked out. I don't think Kyle's going to like it. Uh, Kyle has his picked out. Uh, going to be very interested to see what that is. And uh, chat... You guys will be able to vote on your favorite bets of the day as well. Take five of them, put them in a poll, see what you like. Uh, so with that out of the way, let's hop into it with category number one. David versus Goliath. Average Joes versus the Globo Jim Goliath. This sport doesn't build character, it reveals it. F&A, Cotton, F&A. So category number one is David versus Goliath where we're taking a look at a team that is a heavy money line favorite. Uh, and the team that we're looking at today, everybody's favorite team, or least favorite team, uh, the New York Yankees. Uh, so the Yankees are on the road, sitting at about minus 200 
on the money line uh, in Pittsburgh, taking on the Pirates. Pirates more like plus 160, plus 165, plus 170-ish, depending on your book. Total in this game, uh, sitting at nine. So, Kyle, what are your thoughts on the Yankees and Pirates today? Well, first of all, I will say you did pick some tough games here today. And this I'll <laughs> note to the chat on the ones that I don't feel as strongly about as compared to some of the others. This first one is one that it was a little bit difficult for me to find something I like here, oh, to I, be honest. I, I agree. This one this one sucked. This one is, is kind of painful. I, I think uh, Jameis and Tyone versus his old team is kind of a, a nice uh, narrative about this game, certainly. Tyone's been tremendous. He has had a little bit of shaky uh, starts here of late. Even the last start against Oakland, he really wasn't very good. He gave up three runs in the first inning, uh, settled in a little bit, but... The thing that I really like about Tyone is he doesn't give free passes. He has great control, uh, averages about one walk per nine innings, which is really, really very impressive. Uh, you, nothing you hate more than seeing pitchers that you know walk guys constantly. It seems like those guys nearly always score, especially a leadoff walk or something like that. Uh, Tyone is very good uh, at throwing in the strike zone consistently. Now, uh, Quintana, for his career, for uh, the Pirates, has not been a guy that's given up a lot of home runs. And that's something that I think is kind of interesting about this handicap because Yankees rank first in baseball in ISO against lefties. And this is 85 degrees and the wind's blowing out about eight miles per hour for this game. Uh, for those of you who don't know me very well too, I am a weather nerd. So, uh, you know, th it was one of those things uh, when I was in college, I really considered uh, majoring in meteorology. So, uh, I still get pretty pumped up when there's storms or snow or stuff like that. But it also it does help handicapping a lot. I, and this is kind of a side side note. You know, baseball, it helps a lot to know the weather. I know we're going to talk about one here today. And also college football, you know, you get some of these totals that you have 20 miles per hour wind and a total of 65. It's awfully hard to score that many points when the, when the wind's whipping around, especially if it's raining or snowing. But in this one, you got the Yankees' power against Quintana, who has allowed just 0.95 home runs per nine innings in his career, which is really good. That's excellent. Does a nice job keeping the ball in the ballpark. I, I have a hard time uh, knowing a strong angle on this game. So as I was looking at this one, I think that uh, the way I would play this one, if I were forced to play it, is I would probably take a Yankees team total over. Uh, I think Quintana will probably have a little bit of trouble with the Yankees here. And to be honest with you, I think this is my least favorite bet of any of them that we're going to talk about. So this is not something I'm going to put any money on myself, but I can't take a money line favorite of this price. I mean, if you know me very well, I'm not taking this price on the Yankees. But am I excited to bet the Pirates? Certainly not in this case. I think the Yankees are a far superior team. Um, you know, just a tremendous record so far this year for the Yankees. Uh, Aaron Judge has been amazing having a breakout season even after he was already a very good player. But uh, Yankees team total over is my slight lean on this one. I, I wanted to find a player prop on this one, Nick, but I, I didn't know what to take here in this one, you know, because uh, Tyone is not necessarily a big strikeout guy. I looked at the strikeout props. Yeah. I don't love those a lot. I don't want to take anything with Quintana. Maybe maybe over on hits for, for uh, how many hits he'll give up would be something I would at least consider. But uh, I'm kind of hoping you have something a little stronger than I do in this one, Nick. No, so I think I think my thought process here was very similar to yours. Uh, so 
This is uh, Jamison Tyone's first start back, like you were saying, against his old team. He was the uh, the second overall pick, actually, by the Pirates back in 2010, selected right behind Bryce Harper and right ahead of Manny Machado, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, he was shipped over to the Yankees uh, last offseason in exchange for a package that include, included uh, Ronsi Contreras, who's having a phenomenal season so far uh, in, in the Pirates rotation. It would have been really interesting, actually, to see a, uh, a Tyone versus Contreras matchup on the mound. The, uh, the present versus the future. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you here. So if, if the Yankees had a lefty on the mound, it would have been uh, a very nice spot for, uh, for a potential strikeout over prop. Uh, the Pirates are Kaying at an alarmingly high rate against left-handed pitching. I'm not, I'm not the biggest player prop guy in, in the MLB, but I did take, who was it? It was, uh, Somebody on the Nats. It might have been yo Patrick Corbin over four and a half strikeouts against the Pirates when they when they played about a week ago and he finished with twelve. So so lefties against the Pirates uh, love to look for their case, but with the righties, it's uh, it's a lot more iffy, especially because the Pirates these days with Sawinski up in the lineup with O'Neill Cruz up can really really stack their lineup with left-handed bats. So I'm with you that I think I think that the Yankees are a little bit of a good matchup uh, against Quintana. Uh, probably not going to see Joey Gallo starting in this game, benching him against another lefty. Uh, Anthony Rizzo probably is going to start here, um, but he'll be he'll likely be the only the only player batting left-handed against the lefty Quintana. So I like the Yankees to score right about five runs, which is why where their team total is sitting at. Uh, but I I also do think that the Pirates, with all of these lefties in the lineup, can get to Tyone a little bit, uh, not necessarily for a whole lot, but with this game total sitting at at nine in most spots and actually with an eight and a half available this is what this is what set me over the edge so bet mgm uh, according to bet stamp is hanging and over eight and a half at minus 120 uh give me the win at nine instead of a push at nine at minus 110 uh i'm gonna take that over eight and a half in in this game i like i like the yankees team total overlook uh that was definitely on my short list uh but i'm just gonna also trust or count on the pirates to put a couple up as well I, I like that i think it's important to note too a lot of these games finish seven or nine so if you can get a better number off of seven or off of nine that's going to be a really uh important number you know you could get a four four game turns into uh extra innings then you get you somebody's going to score a fifth run at least mm -hmm. and especially nowadays uh with the extra innings rules you can really pile up the runs and in extra innings if it does happen now I don't think that's the reason you're betting this one because you probably don't expect this one to go to extra innings. But nine isn't a really important number. Uh, Tyone has not been tremendous here of late. And even with minus one and a half on the Yankees, this is quite a bit of juice. So um, I'm going to pass on the side. I, I don't know. What, what is this one on minus one and a half right now? Uh, so best price available is over on Bet Rivers at minus 112. And I think, I think minus 115 is, is available pretty much everywhere. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of laying juice on a run line. Uh, I do it occasionally, no, never more than about minus 110 or 115. I see some of these guys that love taking those minus one and a halfs on the Dodgers at minus 150 or something like that. Gosh, it's just, yeah. I mean, we've seen so many of these teams win by one. Uh, I, I can't I can't do that consistently. Yeah, I feel, I feel a lot more comfortable uh, with taking it with a road team. And of course, the fact that the Yankees are on the road, it, it's priced in appropriately i mean we're going to look at the astros later on who were 50 cents more expensive on the money line at home with uh with the same run line price 
So so it is factored incorrectly, but I think just from a psychological perspective, you can avoid a lot of bad beats on, on run lines betting on away teams because in extra innings or in, in like the ninth inning, you're never going to have your team stranded scoring exactly one run and then the game just ends. Sure. Yeah, and there, there is some kind of uh, psychological... If you win, but a team wins by one, and you have one and a half, it it always uh, stings a little bit more. So I know that's one of the reasons I don't love taking run lines. Is there is a psychological factor to sports betting in general? Mm-hmm. You know, you lose too many of those by half a run, it's going to start messing with you a little bit. You don't want yeah. the uh, the bad mojo to mess up your next handicap. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's like I, I had a streak in college basketball this past season where I lost I it, over in the span of a week. I think I lost five different under bets to like buzzer beaters or like fouls with zeros on the clock and the, the extra meaningless free throw sent the game over and and i didn't bet another under for like a month after that just like, i can't i can't deal with this anymore college hoops bad beats are the worst I mean, yeah honestly, oh they are I, I it's, it's my favorite hoops. sport to bet on just like just oh, like yeah, yeah absolutely great sport great value but especially if you have an under at the end of the game and these guys are fouling down 12 or 15 with a minute left it's just Mm -hmm. painful i mean you got to turn the tv off and hope you win it's just uh not good for your health to watch the end of a game like that yeah so we have uh poll results from the chat uh and chat i think not so surprisingly likes the yankees in this game uh so we had six votes come in on the yankees run line two votes on the pirates run line two votes on the over one vote on the under. Uh, so we got the Yankees team total over five, locked in for Kyle, over eight and a half, locked in for myself, and the Yankees minus one and a half for the chat. Uh, also, speaking of the chat, uh, we had Javon say, if you want to prop in this game, Giancarlo Stanton, total bases. Did you did you look at the at the hitter prop market much in this game? You know, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't do much with the hitter prop market, and uh, baseball is one of the sports that I do the least props in, so um, I wouldn't call myself an expert in props, so I don't want to give too many opinions on props with these. I, I do know props more when it comes to football, especially the NFL, uh, but hitter props are tricky, um, you know, you know, all it takes is one at bat. Uh, I, I see a lot of guys trying to do the who's going to hit a home run in a specific game. Those are difficult, you know. Yeah, and those are um, those are all, always priced poorly. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, you, there's there's a lot of uh, vig on that. I, I think that in general, uh, the the props that I usually do involve the pitcher instead of the batters. All right, Javon. I guess we'll hear about it later on. Why you like uh, Stanton? I'm assuming on behind the lines later on, you'll be talking about it. Uh, but interested to see that pitch. Uh, so let's hop along in now to category number two. Field streakers. Fire up in here. It's burning hot. We all fire. As cold as ice. So category number two is field streakers where we're taking a look at a team that is on a long winning streak or a long losing streak Uh, and the team that we're looking at today is the houston astros who are finally healthy finally heating up uh they are i believe on a seven game winning streak at home today hosting zach grinky and the kansas city royals former astro zach grinky uh, so the Astros are sitting at minus 250 on the money line at home, minus 115 on the minus one and a half run line. Uh, I think that minus 250 is the most expensive uh, money line of the day. 
total in this one, sitting at eight runs. Uh, so, Kyle, what are your thoughts on this game? And chat, the poll is up. Uh, be sure to go vote. Let us know what you like. Well, we start out with Tyone against his old team, and then we go to Grinky against his old team. When you sent me these games last night, and I was kind of looking at my notes, I thought Nick really likes these matchups of uh, playing against their former team. It's just, a, just a uh, I don't think every every game we're going to talk about is going to be that, but the first two are. So, mm -hmm. um, Grinky, you know, he really started the season pitching poorly. He was getting very fortunate. If you look at FIP versus ERA. Uh, he was really giving up a lot of hard contact that was still uh, finding gloves somewhere. He's pitched well in his last two starts. What do we make of that after he's came back from the injured list? We'll say Houston has been the best offense in baseball in the last 30 days, and it's not been particularly close. If you look at WRC+, they're pretty far above everybody else in the advanced metrics. This is a tough matchup for Grinky. I really think that he'll struggle to get through this matchup. Uh, no Perez hurts the Royals quite a bit. Even if his numbers weren't great this year, he's a key to their team, certainly. I wanted to say, too, something that I think not enough people pay attention to when they handicap baseball is defensive runs saved. Uh, the Astros are a tremendous defense. Across the board, a lot of guys in the field that are saving runs consistently, they're pretty far above everybody else in baseball. Royals are about the middle of the pack, but the Astros are so good defensively that they're going to win several games just because of their defense and fielding. So I wanted to mention that Garcia has been really solid of late. Uh, the Royals offense has been subpar most of the season. Ryan Blakeney is the umpire here in this one. And while there aren't a lot of ones that really stand out as umpires that would make a big difference in a game, Blakeney is a pretty good under umpire. I don't want to take the under here because I don't trust Granke. I did want to mention it, though, that I, I think handicapping umpires is very important. It's something that I've done uh, a lot of over the years, so I'm probably too much if you see all the spreadsheets I have of umpire data. And I, you know what? I, won't, I don't want to go on a tangent too much here, Nick, but I, I see the robot umpire stuff coming, and I, that, it pisses me off because it's just an edge that I have that you know, I would lose that edge. So I won't, I won't yeah. hijack the, the stream here today, but... I'm not looking forward to robot umpires. Oh, I understand I, I'm why. I'm more than happy to have that discussion. I, I just I, I understand why people want robot umps because there's so many bad calls. I'm just saying that, you know, as a better, I want every edge I can get, and I feel like that's one of the edges and one of the best edges I can get. I know Doug Eddings is a great under umpire. The batters are going to get, you know, pissed off at him every single game. He's going to call something way off the plate. Uh, we know. You know, uh, Mark Wagner's a big over umpire, you know, just to throw out a couple of things like that. And those go away and it, it loses, you lose an edge. And I don't want to lose any edges. You know, I've, I've done this for so many years and I know that the market is more efficient in general than it used to be. Uh, you know, you especially see that in the college markets that the public, the odds makers and everybody knows a little bit more than they used to. We see with like Ken Palm and college basketball and everything, you know, all the stats that are already out there, the odds makers can just follow those numbers and set a really good number, even on a obscure games usually. So I don't want to lose one of those edges. So I, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Nick. Yeah. I, I'm not looking forward to it. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I cannot wait for oh, no. the robo-umps. I mean, as a as a better, maybe, yeah, the umpires provide an opportunity for an edge. As a, as just a fan of the sport, and, and just as, as the person that I am in general, there, it just pisses me off seeing, seeing mistakes. 
I don't I don't like it. I'm I'm ready for uh, for the robo umps, and and also just from a again from a psychological perspective, there's there's nothing worse in baseball than the umpires making wrong decisions, just objectively wrong decisions, ruining your bets. I understand where you're coming from, and if it were just Angel Hernandez, I'd be good with robo umps. <laughs> but but for the rest of the guys out there, I'd like them to stay around. Now Hernandez is maddeningly inconsistent and uh seems to just favor certain teams at times so um i i don't want the umps to go away because i think that's just an edge that i i really like but i'll continue with my handicap here sorry to hijack the stream uh oh no i i I love hijack it as much as you want these are these are all these are all good discussions right yeah we it's good to have some discussion and not just talk about the game as well general handicap so i said blatney is a under umpire and he is um Grinky's not a strikeout guy though uh, i don't think he's going to get a lot of strikeouts on on houston here and i'm actually going to take a player prop as my favorite play in this one i do like this one better than the first one that we talked about i'm going to take Grinky hits allowed over five and a half in this game i think houston is going to get several hits in this game now the only thing that could hurt this is if Grinky doesn't stay around very long, and he walks several guys, and they get people on base that way. I think in general, though, that it's going to be hard for Grinky to put together one, two, three innings against this lineup. Houston has a good, deep lineup. It's not, you know, one or two guys. It's not the Angels, where they have two amazing hitters and nobody else. Uh, it's not a lineup where just the first two or three guys are, are good batters. Houston has lineup depth. I think Grinky doesn't have the, the strikeout stuff that he used to have. Uh, more of a pitch to contact guy now. So I think Houston will get quite a few hits here. I'm going to take over five and a half this at uh, FanDuel at minus 124. So I'm going to take Grinky over five and a half. It's allowed. Yeah, I like it. So I think something that's interesting about, about Grinky and something that, that I like to think about just handicapping against this Houston team, uh, just in general, is is just like like you're saying that this they don't strike out a lot. So I'm curious actually what your thoughts on this are. If you have a, a pitch to contact guy like Grinky who who's not really trying to strike guys out anyways, uh, up against a team like Houston with one of the lower K rates in the league, especially against right-handed pitching, uh, do you think that that's an advantage for Grinky the fact that he can kind of go and execute his game plan anyways, or or do you think it's an advantage for the Astros? Just being able to play play into their strength, and and as a as a counter, on the other side of that, uh, if you have a guy like Grinky going into a, a very strikeout heavy team, do you think that that's an advantage for for the pitcher, or do you think that's an advantage for the batters? That's a complicated one. Um, I think it would depend on the circumstance. You know, it's a, a lot of the answers to handicapping would be it depends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in this case, uh, Houston does have a really good batted ball um, exit velocity. You know, they, they hit a lot of balls hard. They're not, um, this is not Coors Field and they're dropping one in uh, in the gap. They do hit balls hard. I think when it comes to Grinky specifically in general, uh, I think it would probably be the first that you said when it comes to uh, teams that have a high strikeout against Grinky. It, it really kind of works uh, counterintuitively because Grinky doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, so probably those teams that are usually a high K rate would uh, be better against him. But having said that, 
Uh, in this one, uh, it kind of goes against my general argument that I made there, but I do think Houston uh, will hit the ball hard enough here to find uh, open spots. Obviously, this is baseball, and we know that, I mean, Nick, you've seen this. There's sometimes that you're just, you know, 105 miles per hour exit velocity nonstop, and they're catching all of them. Yeah. I mean, there's so much variance in, in one game in baseball that you know, don't don't at me if uh, Grinky gives up one hit or something like that. But uh, I think in general that this matchup is difficult for him, partially because I really just think Grinky is probably overrated at this point. He's been a great pitcher in his career, but... Uh, I think his advanced metrics suggest that he is um, getting close to washed at this point. Yeah, I, I think Grinky is uh, is washed. But so my my least favorite type of pitcher to try and handicap is a guy like Grinky, just the, the pitch to contact guys because there's so much variance just around where the balls in play go. I think that I think that guys who who limit balls in play, whether that's because they walk a ton of guys or because they strike out a ton of guys or because they give up a lot of home runs, all of which just completely take the defense out of the equation. Those guys are a little bit easier to handicap just because there's there's less randomness. So a guy like Grinky, yeah. I, I think my least favorite pitcher in all of baseball right now is Paul Blackburn, uh, yeah. who's another guy in the same, in the same vein. So where I'm going to go here is I, I don't really want to handicap uh, what Zach Grinky's going to do? I'm I'm with you. I think he's going to give up a lot of hard hit balls. It's just a matter of of where do those balls go. Um, I'm going to take a Royals team total here. I'm going to go with the under. Uh, so you can get this at under three at uh, at minus one hundred five over on Caesars. I'm happy to just take a push and be done with this. This is again. This is not a bet that I'm going to have any money on. This is a this is a pretty gross game. Um, but so I think, uh, I think Luis Garcia, like you said, has been pitching well this year. He's not, he's not the best pitcher in the world, but he's not a guy who's going to go out and, and really get destroyed very often. Uh, he faced Kansas city once earlier this year, went seven innings, gave up only four hits, uh, gave up two runs and, and the Strohs kind of sneakily have one of the best bullpens in, in all of baseball. So I'm going to take a Royals team total under three, just going to live with it if I push. Uh, but I think I'm more likely to be under than over. And we have poll results from the chat. Uh, so we have a tie. We have an Astros minus one and a half uh, with six votes. We have an over eight at six votes. Uh, and then one vote a pop on the Royals and the under. Uh, so in the case of a tie like this between the uh, run line or a money line and a total, uh, we take the implied team total. So if the over hits and the Astros run line hits, it is a mathematical guarantee that the Astros team total will go over. Uh, so chat betting against Grinky here as well. Uh, Astros team total over four and a half at minus one thirty is the uh, is the price we're going to lock that in at. And and yeah, JFK in the chat. Grinky's washed, but has looked so good his last two starts. Yeah. So so coming off the injured list, I guess this is another another question. Uh, good discussion point. Do you or I, how do you approach? I guess in general, pitchers returning from injury is it is it a spot where you try and take advantage of it in some way or is it a spot that you try and stay away from usually pass on their games and the first one off an injured list that's even more variance i'm trying to get rid of variance here 
I do want to say, though, Grinky has looked good in two starts back, but look who he pitched against. So yeah. um, not exactly the Houston Astros lineup. Oakland is terrible, probably the worst lineup in baseball. And then Texas, not a very good lineup either. And in those games, still only four strikeouts and three strikeouts and six innings. So he wasn't fooling people all that much, even against really bad offenses. Just a massive step up in class here to Houston. So I'm going to discount that and and, and kind of pay to see him do it against a good offense. Yep. All righty. So let's go ahead and hop now into category number three. All I do is wind. And they stay there. And they stay there. And they stay there. Wind. So category number three is all I do is wind, where we take a look at a game with potentially heavy wind implications. Uh, and the game that we're looking at today is the game in Boston between the Tampa Bay Rays, the visiting team, and the Boston Red Sox, who are sitting at about minus 130 on the money line at home in Fenway. Uh, so in Boston, uh, looking at somewhere between 10 and 13 mile an hour wind blowing out. Uh, it was, I think, sitting at 13 last night, looking at 11 right now. Not sure exactly where it's going to end up at game time. Of course, weather is uh, a little hard to predict in and of itself. Um, but Kyle, what are your thoughts on this game? And, and I guess first, what are your what are your thoughts, more generally speaking, on handicapping on weather or incorporating that into your handicap? I think it's crucial, uh, especially if your total's better. You know, obviously it doesn't matter as much to a side. But when it comes to totals, the other thing you have to keep in mind is it depends on the ballpark as far as how much it affects uh, the game. Everybody knows Wrigley is tremendous, uh, you know, when the wind's blowing out or the wind's blowing in. But at this point, that one is so popular that it's almost, you know, overused. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, Nick, when everybody starts talking about it and everybody says this is automatic, then the, the angle... Uh, the trend, the system doesn't work as well. Yeah, we've seen so, totals of like 10 in Wrigley this year with the wind blowing out. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there can be some um, extremes there, but I think this is a perfect example because I think I have some pretty good notes on this one. Uh, Fenway, really, really good when it comes to both wind blowing in and out as far as taking the under or taking the over. So, chat, uh, I wanted to bring this one up. I think this is a helpful angle. With a temperature of 60 degrees or higher and the wind blowing out eight or more, the over is 56%. That's 162 and 128 at Fenway since 2006. So we're going back 16 years now. Um, it's It doesn't happen really often here because a lot of times there's also wind kind of blowing to the side. Uh, this time the wind's blowing out and a little bit toward left field, I believe, about 11 miles per hour. This is this is one also where the rain could be an issue. So we'll, we'll pay attention and we'll see if there's a rain delay or something like that in this game because rain looks like it's about 50 or 60% for this game. But wind blowing out at, at uh, Fenway has been a tremendous angle, and I believe the wind blowing in, taking the under, has hit at an even higher rate than that. So definitely pay close attention to the wind at Boston. You'll note that a lot of these parks that are older parks are more affected by the weather than a lot of the newer ones. Um, so I hate to see some of the older parks go away too. I sound like the the old guy, you know, yelling at the clouds type thing. But 
Uh, you know, I, I just like the extra edges, as I said. But the other one I want to say, Nick, uh, Nick Pavetta, just tremendous differences in his stats if you look back day and night games. And I, I want to get your opinion on this after I say the stats. Um, I like to look at, you know, home road splits, day and night splits, first half, second half splits for pitchers. I do think they matter. Um, I think, you know, it could be overstated, but in this case, Nick Pavetta in day starts throughout his career in 230 innings, 3.59 ERA and a 1.205 whip, which is pretty impressive. In night games, 425 innings, 5.59 ERA, so two full runs higher and a 1.437 whip. Now, this is a big enough sample size that I think we at least need to pay attention. I don't know what's going on with Pavetta, but he pitches far better in day games than he does at night. Not even close. I think some guys you can easily say, well, you know, the lineups sometimes on uh, day games, on getaway days, are not quite as good. You know, you find those Thursday lineups where a top hitter or two is sitting out. But Pavetta, I mean, this is two full runs difference. The whip being 1.205 and 1.437 tells me that's not just a fluke that he's giving up more runs here. Um, I want Before I go on, Nick, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on splits, like on day-night splits on somebody like this. Yeah, so day-night splits are, are tough, like you said, because there are potentially other other factors that are influencing them uh and and also i think i think the ballparks matter as well uh different different parks you get just different sight lines different different issues with shadows i'm i'm curious actually if you if you have this readily available uh what do pavetta's day night splits look like in fenway if that's something you can i, I can actually probably pull that up over on the fangraph split leaderboards it'll take me a take me a minute i don't i I don't have that one uh, readily available to me, but I do know his splits at Fenway in general. Uh, I just don't know the day and night. I will say he was rocked at Fenway last year, 5.4 ERA to 1.446 whip. And then this year, 2.79 ERA to 1.095 whip in general. Now, I don't know how many of those have been day starts and how many of those have been night starts, but in general, I don't think that Fenway would be a very good park for him. Pavetta does give up some really hard contact. Uh, this is a guy that is pretty inconsistent, and I mean, the stats would suggest that as well. To be honest, I do think uh, day-night splits matter. I think first half and second half splits matter even more. Some of these guys are fast starters or, or fast finishers, I guess you would say. Some of the guys struggle at the beginning of the year, uh, kind of get it in, uh, get it going at the end of the season. Uh, I think day-night splits matter a little bit less than that. And home home road splits certainly matter because you know you have some guys like say Reds pitchers and I appreciate Nick not bringing up the Reds here too much today because the Reds are my team, um, my Reds Bengals Buckeyes guy but there's nothing to cheer for for the Reds I just hope Joey Votto has a better season than what he's having right now but uh, I mean there's some guys on the Reds team that have much worse ERAs at home and you know advanced yeah. stats far worse but I mean Great American Ballpark it's pretty easy to see why that would be the case like a tyler malley for mm -hmm. example uh you know you probably want to take team total overs with the other team when he's pitching at home in this case um i i think that this is an interesting handicap and i, I like this one the best of the ones that we've talked about so far because uh you know i loved the weather like i said 
And in this one, Tampa Bay is is the the harder side for me to handicap. What do I think of Tampa Bay's offense? They're really not a very good offense in general. 24th in WOBA against right-handed pitching. Um, fourth highest strikeout percentage in the league against righties. Pavetta can rack up some strikeouts from time to time. Do I trust Tampa Bay to score a lot here? I mean, I think they have a decent chance because of the, the weather and what Pavetta does um, in night games. On the other side, we have spring starting for uh, Tampa Bay. A lefty and uh, Boston is uh, 12th in Woba against right-handed pitching, but fifth against left-handed pitching. And uh, Springs is coming back from the bereavement list. I believe it was a family family medical issue that he has missed some time with here. I, I don't like to handicap that by itself, but I don't think that can be a good thing. You know, there's no way that that's helpful. Uh, and, you know, in this case, I think it's more than likely that Boston's going to have several base runners on here. We've got the wind blowing out. Springs is in a fairly difficult spot out at Wrigley I said I like the overs with that with the the angles I'm going to take the Boston team total over on this one I, I think Boston scores several runs here Tampa Bay does have a good bullpen certainly as far as depth I think that there will be some home runs here uh, we've seen that Fenway is affected by the wind quite a bit and you know if there is some weather here as well uh, if we see a rain delay or something like that, you can see some big innings after that. You see some guys uh, pitching middle relief that aren't usually in the game so long. They try to extend them. So uh, I'm going to take Boston team total over for this one as my favorite play. Yeah, I, I like that play quite a bit. Uh, and so what I think is interesting, actually, is is looking at the Rays bullpen. My, my impression, just thinking about the Rays pen, is that they've been good. And it is a little bit hard to to look at Ray's stats just in relief because they do like to utilize openers so much. Uh, but over the last month, they actually have the third worst XFIP uh, out of the bullpen in, in all of baseball. Only, only the Royals and the Reds have been worse. Uh, again, it's, it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily going to be that bad with, uh, with an actual starter on the mound. I'm not exactly sure how much of that is, is proper relief pitchers versus primary pitchers who are technically coming in in relief um but that is a it's a spot where where the rays have a little bit of a sneaky edge or the the red sox i should say have a little bit of a sneaky edge here uh red sox bullpen in and of itself has not been great either uh there was the pretty high profile loss that they suffered in in toronto because tanner Houck was unavailable i i know that that was a very very popular bet a lot of people on the red sox money line in that game bad taste in their mouth um, but I'm, I think I'm just going to take the, uh, the Red Sox to win this game at home. I'm going to take the money line. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think that, I think that they're going to have some success against Springs in this game. Uh, it's just a matter of trusting Pavetta against, uh, a relatively weak raised lineup, which, which I do and, and taking hopefully a little bit of an extra edge in, in the later stages when both starters are out of the game. So I'm going to take the Red Sox money line. Uh, but I do, I do like the Red Sox team total over, as well. I think that's a pretty good price on the Red Sox money line. Yes, yeah, so we're looking at like a minus minus one eighteen, minus one twenty five. Just going to call it minus one twenty up on the the graphic. Uh, 
So I'm seeing over on Betstamp, you can lock in a minus 125 for the over 4.5 on Caesars and a minus 118 on Pinnacle as an offshore option. Uh, let's see, Red Sox money line for me at minus 130. And I think you can actually get a uh, better price. Yeah, minus 123 over on WinBet. Best price on the board right now for the Sox. And chat is on the same play as me. Uh, so we got eight votes on the Red Sox, two votes on the Rays, one vote on the under, no votes on the over. Uh, so basically everybody here uh, is on the Sox to take this one. Uh, also, question uh, towards you. Uh, where do you get your data from, uh, especially for trend data? I see the pick was asking that also. Shout yeah. out to the pick for saying best guess yet for Buckeyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, as as far as um, trend data, I'm pulling that from Bet Labs. So that's just queries run on Bet Labs. And I've spent far too much time, uh, you know, late nights uh, setting up these random queries. Some of them are helpful, some of them aren't. I do think this is one that's pretty important with the, the weather at specific parks. I will, I'll give you a bonus one here, real quick, too. Uh, Comerica in Detroit is really good uh, when the wind's blowing out or blowing in. You pay, want to pay attention to the weather there. I think the wind blowing out at Comerica, the over is over 60% in the last 10 years. So uh, definitely pay attention to that one as well. But Labs is where I'm pulling my data from for these trends. Yes, yeah, so I, I have a question for you um, along the lines of that trend, just trends in general. So I personally am extremely skeptical of trends, even even trends that are certainly significant, statistically significant over massive sample sizes like that, like looking at weather in a park over over a decade long period. I mean, that's a that's a ton of data. And as a data guy, like you have to look at that and say, like, there's there's something there. But at the same time, how much, if at all, do you think that the books are also aware of, of a trend like that? So maybe the overs hit in Comerica. 60% of the time with weather doing XYZ. So we're going to bump the line up by half a run. I mean, they're certainly aware of it, whether they're enough aware of it. When you see some of these graphs, they continue to go up. I'll give the example of college football games with the wind blowing uh, pretty heavily and taking unders. You know, um, it depends on what number you get as well. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. If you want to get the closing line on something like this, it's going to be worse than if you get the opening line. So you want to pay attention early. Um, I think Ben's the same way. I don't know about you, Nick. I don't like to bet right before the game because, you know, I feel like my edge is smaller, uh, yeah. especially on a sport like college basketball or college football. I want to bet early. Yeah. And then I'm very good at getting CLV, which that's a whole nother topic. But uh, I, I think... Thing in general, trends can get a bad name because so many people say things like, you know, on a Monday night, this team is, you know, 10 and 1 in the last 11. It's like that makes no difference, obviously. But if you say in the NBA, in game sevens, you know, the under is this, I think that matters a lot. You know, the game slows down. Uh, the, the books have had a hard time adjusting enough to things like that. So, I would be skeptical of trends that look like they've kind of leveled off over the last few years. You know, you can see the graphs of how they've done year by year, but the ones that are consistently winning every single year, I feel like they haven't caught up yet. 
And, um, you know, I kind of separate them out. I think some trends are certainly very helpful. Like I said, you know, you get later in a series uh, in, a, in a basketball uh, NBA playoffs, the under has done really well. Weather and baseball and college football, it's mattered a lot. Um, I think, you know, maybe what one third of trends or one fourth of trends are helpful. And we usually hear quite a bit from the three fourths or two thirds that aren't helpful. And I think that's why they can get such a bad name. But I'm not quite as anti-trends as you are, Nick. Yeah, and I, th I think so. My th my thing with trends is like there there has to be some kind of explanatory relationship, like like a cause and effect type relationship. So so looking at stuff like weather, and and does does that impact totals, and how how does it impact totals over time in different ballparks? I mean, like that's that's a trend that makes sense, right? There's a there's definitely a cause and effect relationship there. I'm more likely to to put some stock into that. But when people start odds sharking the last six Mondays that were the first Monday of the month and, and the winds blowing between four and six miles an hour. And, and you're, you're just like mining for something that you can say, this is eight and oh over the last 20 years or something. Of course. Yeah. Like, that's, that's that, kind of silly. That's, that's a good point, Nick, because if you're just looking for something to support what you already wanted to take anyways, then yes. they're not very helpful exactly. because it, you're, I mean, you're, you're just trying to explain why that's a good bet. Uh, in reality, you want that to to be something that shapes your uh, your thought process. I did want to say too, as well. Coastal says that Ben loves CLV maybe more than his family. I love I love that one. Um, CLV is really helpful, and and uh, that's a deeper discussion. But I will say, getting a bunch of closing line value and then losing is really frustrating. And I, yeah. I'm sure you know this as well. I mean, you you take a college basketball under 145, and it closes. 137 you get eight points of closing line value and it finishes 170 and you go wow i mean i would have rather not gotten that closing line value because then you assume that it's a mm. good bet uh but having said that you know odds makers will tell you that people that get closing line consistently are the ones that they want to limit so uh, i think that tells you quite a bit too yeah absolutely uh and so to answer also the question what is clv that somebody asked in the chat it's just it's like there's a, there's a mathematical way that you can define it as well but it's basically like what kyle said if you if you take a bet like an under 145 and a half say in a, in a college basketball game and and then over time the line moves and it closes at an under of maybe minus 140 and a half then you have those five extra points of wiggle room where because you got your bet in earlier you would win whereas otherwise it might have lost just because you bet it later so so you want to be getting in at the best number possible and that's that's kind of what what CLV is trying to get at. Uh, so on, also on that note of betting earlier versus betting later, I'm I, I mean very much on the bet early train in most sports. Although I actually think that baseball is the one sport where I like to wait. And and the reason for that is just because of the way that I do my modeling. It it's lineup dependent. Sure. So I I personally just for me because of that being the way that I do it, I think that I can mitigate the CLV lost by by gaining extra information waiting for the exact lineup constructions to come out from both teams. Makes sense. But, I do but, think yeah. baseball's baseball's the one where it would be uh, a toss up as to whether it has more value to bet early or late, but it would be hard to come up with a reason why you'd want to bet an NFL game right before kickoff, you know, something yeah. like that. So, yeah. Um, aside aside baseball, from like injury though, issues where we're we're waiting on information in that sure. regard. But yeah. Uh, all right. 
good discussions here. I love this. Uh, so let's hop in to game number four. Pitching duel. Now, key to being a big league pitcher is the three R's. Readiness, recuperation, and conditioning. So category number four is the pitching duel, where we're going to take a look at a game with a low total and an excellent pitching matchup. Uh, and the game that we're looking at today, uh, we've got Noah Syndergaard and the LA Angels on the road as plus 120-ish dogs uh, in Miami, sitting at minus 140 on the money line with Sandy Alcantara, one of the uh, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball this season. Uh, total in this one sitting at seven. Uh, really funny comment. Uh, ben secretly married CLV. He has no human wife. <laughs> Uh, but Kyle, what are your, yeah, also that I, I love, I love the Twitch chat. People make so many funny comments. Uh, what, uh, what are, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, well, first, I mean, you, you said it to start with, um, Alcantara has been a tremendous pitcher and he is a better pitcher than Syndergaard at this point. Uh, you know, Syndergaard still has the bigger name, but, uh, you know, for my money, I'd want Alcantara on my team versus, uh, of those two. Uh, Syndergaard has done well versus the Marlins lineup in limited at-bats, and I, I guess I wonder how much talk you, you put into that as well. So that's something, uh, a quick question on that. I mean, some people think past performance against these specific hitters means nothing. Some people think that that's the main basis for a handicap. I think the the answer, the truth lies somewhere within in the middle. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think Syndergaard, Against the Marlins has a 227 weighted on base average allowed and 61 at bats. Now, 61 at bats isn't something I would want to hang my hat on too much because that's not that big of a sample size. And Nick, being a data guy, knows the bigger the sample size gets, the more those numbers mean. Certainly, if this was 250 at bats, then I'd be thinking about it a lot more. And the other thing about this game that stands out is um, Alcantara has a low BABIP allowed batting average on balls in play of 243. But if you look at his advanced metrics, I looked at this quite a bit this morning, tremendous across the board. He gives up a lot of softer contact. A average exit velocity numbers are tremendous game after game. So I don't think he'll be able to keep up the 243 BABIP allowed. It's going to be lower than the average in, in Major League Baseball for sure. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the Angels, the Angels certainly have stars in Otani and Trout. Um, and, and you can argue some of their other guys are decent hitters as well. But the Angels have a really weak bottom of the lineup. I mean, they're just not very good. Uh, you know, the 6, 7, 8, 9 spot are very weak. Obviously, Anthony Rendon being out hurts them quite a bit. If you look at the Marlins, uh, Jazz Chisholm is out. Uh, Solaire has been out. I assume he'll still be out in this game. Um, this is a uh, Marlins lineup that really wasn't very good, even with those guys without them, uh, not very good at all. I don't like taking under seven juiced. Um, I see under seven, uh, what about minus 115 or so? Maybe the best, maybe a minus 110 somewhere. Yeah, you can get I haven't bet this 109 on circa. That's 109. There you go. That's that's a good thing about uh, shopping around for the best odds, certainly, because I even see a couple. Uh, minus 125. I mean, that's that's a massive difference. Yeah. And in general, I will say, if you're taking totals with a minus 125 or minus 130 juice, then I don't like that. You know, you lay that kind of juice with a total, not in favor of something like that, but minus 109 
I'm taking the under on this one, Nick. I think this is going to be one of those ugly, lower-scoring close games all the way. Syndergaard has been a little bit less consistent. I, I don't trust him a lot, but Miami's offense is pretty weak. Um, they've been better against righties than lefties, uh, but still not a very good lineup. And I think Alcantara is just legitimately a very, very good pitcher. So I'm going to take the under in this one. And this is one that I, I didn't end up releasing as a premium play, but this was close. So I do like this under. I think this could be one of those two to one or three to two type games here. Yeah, I I'm conflicted here. So my my brain tells me that the under is a good spot here. My model has this game higher than seven. So I'm a, I'm a little scared from that perspective. Uh, I really I really hate fading the model, so I'm just gonna avoid totals here. Uh, and I'm I'm just again gonna take the home favorite with the better pitcher on the mount. Uh, I'm gonna take the Marlins. Do I do I really want to pay minus one forty for this? Not not really. Um, what is let's see what is the best price in this one? So best price in the Marlins minus one twenty eight over on on win bet and you can get minus it looks actually looking like minus 135 is pretty much everywhere uh so i'm i'm okay with that i think uh i think i'm gonna take the marlins here just give me like you said what should be a low scoring game they have i think a slight edge in the bullpen as well which is nice although alcantara should go seven eight innings like it seems like he's doing every start now so i don't think that's going to be a huge difference maker for them uh but syndergaard more uh hit, hit and miss Give me the the miss potential against a very consistent Alcantara. I I'm a bit conflicted on that one because I, in general I want to bet Alcantara, but I hate laying juice with the lineup as weak as them. So yeah, um, you know, it, it's, this is it, it's, it's, this is an ugly game. It's, it's it like is a, a good say, game from a from a watching good pitching perspective. Right. Ugly game from a betting perspective. Marlins uh, bullpen has been kind of sneaky good here of late. Mm-hmm. Not a bad bullpen. And like you said, um, Alcantara probably going to work pretty deep into this. I think um, some pitching props with Alcantara might be a good look here, too. Maybe even a total outs recorded and over or something like that, because I do think he'll be in this game for a good while. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think the uh, the outs, and then also, I don't know if you can bet this on the books, but people who are into prize picks, you can bet like a pit, pitches thrown. Which, which I mean, it feels like a, such a degenerate bet, but I'm sure that there's, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that there's actually something there, because you're kind of, in in a way, you're like hedging against walks, hedging against striking guys out, hedging against how deep you go. Do people have like a ten pitch at bat that ends with a walk or something? So interesting. I I have absolutely no idea how to really handicap those, but another interesting, another interesting option. Uh, and yeah, so Angels bullpen is towards the bottom of the league. They, over the last month, are more middle of the pack. Uh, so Marlins in XFIP ninth over the last month, Angels 16th. Although in that range, you're only looking at like a two-tenths of a run difference. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be Marlins for me. Not a bet that I love. Not something I'm going to have any money on. Uh, and chat once again agrees with me. So we've got the Marlins uh, with ten votes, uh, the under with three votes, the Angels with two votes, 
and the over with two votes. So it'll be a Marlins money line. Chat, chat and I on the, on Sunday we had the same bet in uh, four of the five categories, which is kind of crazy. We went nice. went three and one on those stuff. So that was nice. Can't argue with three and one. That's for sure. Nope, not at all. Um, and yeah, they keep raising Sandy's out. What is what what is his total outs at? Yeah, I'd like I'd like to see that. I'm it's it's got to be like. 20 and a half or something. It's gotta be for him. Which which is nuts. I mean that's that's six and two thirds. But uh, chat, if, if anybody knows what it is, let us know. Uh, I'm very curious. Uh, so also, speaking of letting us know things, uh, it is time for category number five, the walk-off. Uh, so what I need from you guys, chat, uh, before we start up a poll, is your favorite bets of the day. Uh, take a second to type them out in the chat. It can be any type of bet on today's baseball slate. It can be a money line. It can be a run line. It can be a game total, team total, first five, first inning, Murphy, Yerfy. It can be a player prop. Uh, let me know what the bet is, and let me know what the price is. Is it a minus 110? Is it a plus 200? Is it a minus 3,000? Yankees, plus five and a half parlay piece. Uh, if you do, don't give me the price. It's not going in the poll. Uh, here is the little video clip the walk off the one one pitch a swing and a drive to deep right away back Goal! and let's see what we've got so i see we have the nerfy in the angels and marlins game I, it's been forever since a nerfy actually went into the poll i'm kind of i'm happy that trend has died down a little bit those are Definitely. very degenerate mispriced bets um yeah although if you if you were to pick out two pitchers i mean alcantara is definitely one of them i don't know about syndergaard but at minus minus 146 that feels uh, expensive gosh not i i don't want to get on a soapbox on that but the nerfies one inning so much variance all it takes is one bad pitch uh, I, i'm not a big fan of playing those yeah i'm i'm not a big nerfy guy either uh, we've got the Cardinals money line at plus 120. Uh, we got Aaron Judge total bases over one and a half at minus 130. Speaking of player props in the Yankees game, uh, we got Brewers first five money line. Are the who are the Brewers playing? Are they playing the Cardinals today? Brewers no, they're not. Okay. Cubs. Yeah, just wanted to make sure I didn't have two conflicting bets in the pool. Uh, that's at minus 122. And one more. We'll take uh, Jay Wells Padres first five money line. At minus 140. Uh, sorry, Victor. Yankees plus four and a half minus 2200 on bet 365. Not <laughs> not going to make it. If, I, if, if you were a little bit earlier, I would have put it in the pool. But yeah. No, we'll, have, we'll have to make jokes about minus 3000 plays. People just bumping up their, their win-loss record right without any any consideration of are you actually profiting or not uh so poll is up be sure to go vote and kyle what is your favorite bet today all right so here's my favorite bet of the day today i'm curious to see nick's thought and also the chat if you have any opinion on this i like the blue jays team total over quite a bit today 
I'm going to take, I got minus 125 on over four and a half, Nick. You can see uh, what might be the best price out there now. The Jays are off a game where their bats were quiet against a subpar pitcher. I don't think they're going to do it again. And also, you look at Adrian Martinez, not the college football quarterback, Adrian Martinez pitching for Oakland. He's never had success even in AAA. So what's going to make me think that he's going to have success in the majors? Look at his AAA numbers. Adrian Martinez, 5.63 ERA. 5.63 FIP in 13 starts this year in AAA. Last year in AAA, 5.28 ERA and a 5.29 FIP. He's consistently struggled with giving up too many home runs, even at the lower levels. This isn't a guy I would expect to have long-term success in the majors. And look, Toronto didn't have a good, a good game last night, but this is a top-five offense in baseball, very good offense. I know Oakland's a pitcher's park. But four and a half is pretty low for a Toronto team going up against a subpar triple A starter, you know, based on his numbers. We never know what's going to happen in one game, but I do like the Blue Jays team total over four and a half a good amount here today. Yeah, I, I think that's a good look. And not only is is Martinez not a good pitcher, the, the A's bullpen is yeah. is one of the worst in the league. And and that's something that I think is important to to look at when you're looking at team totals, because uh, a lot of books now are starting to offer uh, first five team totals, which have been one of my favorite bets to be taking over over the last couple of weeks. You can really, really just isolate in on one pitcher against the lineup twice through. And and you eliminate a lot of a lot of bullpen noise, a lot of the noise of how how the other team's pitcher is going to do when you're looking at money lines and stuff. Uh, but with with a bullpen as bad as the athletics, I think it does make sense to go with uh, with a full game team total as opposed to a first five team total. And yeah, Martinez, uh, he he doesn't even appear on athletics top prospect lists, like at all. So he's he's not a guy, like you said, who's had success in the minors. He's not a guy that, that scouts are expecting to really have much, if any, success in the big leagues. So I think it's a, it's a good spot to take a four and a half between him and the, uh, the A's pen. Uh, and and yes, and somebody in the chat had also, it it came up too late to go in the poll, uh, but they had just the over in this game. Yeah, uh, that was that was a consideration as well. Um, a Easton, how can you trust anybody with an Ohio State hat? <laughs> oh man, that's Spoke, funny. Maybe spoken a like a true fan. Michigan fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my favorite bet today. Uh, is is I, I know we were talking earlier about pitchers coming off the injured list and and how it's a kind of sketchy spot, uh, but I'm going to be backing one today. Uh, I'm going to take the Mets run line today against the Reds, uh, and we've got not one but two pitchers, both coming off the injured list in this game. Uh, so Max Scherzer uh, is is returning from an injury that's kept him out since May 18th, uh, and Nick Lodolo. Uh, coming back from an injury that's kept him out since April 24th. Uh, Lodolo, I I don't know what to make of Lodolo. And I'm actually a little curious what your thoughts are on Lodolo. I mean, he's a pretty pretty highly regarded prospect. He's not Hunter Green, but he's not a he's not a scrub. He's more of a more of a pitchability lefty guy who's just like a, a lefty consistent arm, not gonna strike out a ton of a ton of guys, uh, but not gonna walk a ton of guys, not gonna give up a ton of ton of bad contact, but I think that with him coming off of two months out, um, 
worked up to like four innings in the minors. Looked good in the minors. I don't really put a whole lot of consideration into minor league stats though, just because it, the level of competition is so different, and and there's a lot of questions about how pitches play up, play down. Um, I think we get four or five innings from him today, uh, and then we see four or five innings from the horrendous Reds bullpen. And, and I think that that's really where the difference is going to be. Uh, Lodolo could go out and have a decent game. Lodolo could have a, a good game. He could have a terrible game. Uh, but I think I think regardless of that, we're going to see a bunch of innings from the Reds' pen, and we're going to see Max Scherzer do Max Scherzer things against a, a pretty bad offense. And again, sh- questions about how many innings Scherzer's going to throw today. He he didn't ever go five in, in his two minor league starts. He maxed out at 4.2. But I trust him over Lodolo, and I trust the Mets' pen more than I trust the Reds' pen. Uh, so give me the uh, the Mets today. I would. I was also considering a Mets team total. Again, just banking on runs against the Reds' pen. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> pick six. Nick brings a guy on just to fade his team. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it's funny, Nick. When you said at the beginning, I don't think Kyle's going to like my play. I almost joked with you and said, "What are you doing, taking the Reds or something?" <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, I'm very realistic about how the Reds are, so I don't mind this play. I guess the only thing I don't love about this play is it's juicy for a run line, uh, what minus one twenty something. Uh, you know, I, I think Lodolo is a pretty good pitcher. I think that he's kind of a crafty lefty. Um, not overpowering. He won't walk a lot of guys. But I think it's pretty important what you said there, too, is that Lodolo probably is not going to pitch very deep into this game. The Reds' bullpen is really bad, very bad. So I think Lodolo is definitely better than the Reds' bullpen, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see five innings of the Reds' bullpen, and uh, that would definitely help your bet here. So I don't mind this at all. Uh, In fact, I I think the the Mets, Mets have been so strong and so consistently good against both righties and lefties that I think they'll score quite a few here. Yeah, so split stats against lefties over the last month, Mets have a 107 WRC+, plus, so about 7% better than, than league average. And yeah, I think the the Reds have been quite bad against right-handed pitching. Yeah, 84 WRC+, plus over the last month against right-handed pitching. And this is not just right-handed pitching, this is Max Scherzer. Right. Yeah. The, I mean, the Reds for a while, do you remember when the Reds were scoring quite a few and they kept going over their team total at home? Yeah. Reds have been struggling offensively quite a bit more of late. Uh, Votto's been struggling. It doesn't help that Farmer's been hurt. India hasn't been himself. He's been out quite a bit. Uh, honestly, the Reds have all sorts of issues, you know, offensive, defensive, pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they weird team to follow from a betting perspective it was like you could it was like fade fade the reds fade the reds fade the reds and suddenly something something flipped and it was like tail the reds take the reds to score and and now again it's just fade the reds yeah definitely i I think fade the reds here from from here on out the rest of the season while it's going to be expensive i don't think that'll do badly honestly I, i don't see what the reds have to play for um and i just don't see them very being very competitive yeah, I uh, I agree. See see what the future holds. There's some uh, some exciting young pieces that the Reds have. So, not like the future is is bleak. <laughs> 
I, I can't say too much positive. I don't want to get too upbeat about the Reds. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm excited for Ohio State and, and the Bengals football season. I'll say that. That's, sort of, that's what I'm looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio State football future is always bright. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Bengals look pretty damn good, too. I'm a, I'm a Ravens fan, so hoping oh, there that you the go. Bengals. I, it, I can't root against the Bengals. They're a, they're a good team. And uh, like, I like the Ravens. The I like the Ravens when they're not playing the Bengals, too. So, yeah. you know, Lamar Jackson's easy to root for. Burrow's easy to root for. Uh, two good teams. I think the AFC North is going to be really good. But mm-hmm. uh, baseball-wise, it's been a lot of fun here chatting this, and uh, I love I love watching the the chats comments here. A lot of uh, pretty comical um, comments here, and uh, it seems like people really have uh, some impressions about Ben's love for CLV. Well, yeah, I think sure. I think it's just Casey the whole time. He's <laughs> <laughs> going on and on and on, just trolling today. Right. Uh, but yeah. So thank you, Kyle, uh, for hopping on today. Really appreciate it. Oh, uh, one last thing, actually. Chat's favorite play of the day is Aaron Judge. Total basis over one and a half at minus one thirty. Uh, Car- that got seven votes. Cardinals money line at plus one twenty got five. The Brewers first five money line got two. Padres first five money line got two. Uh, and the Nerfy between the Angels and the Mariners got uh, and, and the Marlins picked up exactly one vote. Probably the person who requested it in the poll. <laughs> I love it when when plays get no votes. It's like somebody asks for it to be in the poll and then doesn't even vote on it. And didn't vote for it. Yeah. <laughs> happens, yeah. Uh, happens more often than it should. Uh, but big thank you, Kyle, for hopping on. Really appreciate it. Uh, and one more time, what have you got What have you got going on? Where can the people find you? Yeah, um, appreciate you having me on. Definitely, this was fun. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, at KyleHunterPicks. My website, HunterSportsPicks.com. Uh, you can find my premium plays over there also at huntersportspicks.com. You can sign up for my free picks newsletter where I'll put out quite a few free plays, especially during football season. Those are like 58, 59% over the last few years. So I do a lot of uh, team totals, first half bets, things like that on that. So uh, definitely be looking out for that. If you're not already signed up for the free picks newsletter, do so. And then one other project I want to mention real quick is sportswageringu.com. Um, we have some classes up. Uh, where we've had different people um, teach classes on how to get an edge in certain markets. And the one that pertains most to what we're talking about here is myself and uh, Nick Hub bought one on MLB totals. Uh, you can get that over at sportswageringu.com. There's also several free classes over there. We have one coming up that's a free class on UFC as well. So if you're interested in that, I know next to nothing about betting the UFC, but some of the people on our team know a lot. So uh, check out the work over there at sportswageringu.com. And again, Nick, thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. And I second the shout out to Sports Wagering U. Uh, I think I think it's just a very a very important mission, just in general. I mean, something that I know Ben and I are are pretty passionate about, and you guys share in that passion is just helping helping people make better, more educated sports betting decisions on their own. <laughs> Uh, so, so big shout out to SWU and big shout out to Kyle for hopping on. Uh, it's linked to his Twitter in the chat. Be sure to go follow him if you are not. Uh, thank you, chat, for for being here for having a having a good discussion with us. Uh, Casey said, "What is that dog like today?" I think my dog just walked behind me. I don't think she has any bets today. Not yet, at least. I'll, I'll keep you updated if she does. Uh, so, we will be back on the stream same time, same place tomorrow. Uh, be sure to tune into that. 
uh, yeah, good luck with the bets today, everyone. Uh, and we will see you all next time. Take it easy.